Well, uh, I'm, I'm, excited, uh, I'm ex- excited about this morning uh, because God changed the message at 4 a.m. So it's going uh, to be what it is. And I'm trying to walk in obedience, and I don't like it, but I'm trying to walk in obedience. The struggle is real, and, uh, and we're continuing our series. Uh, today we are talking about uh, obedience, and um, I believe, uh, and it was confirmed this morning uh, with uh, April and what she shared and some things that Jeremy shared and some things that Will shared, and I just love when the Holy Spirit brings confirmation because it gives us the confidence that we need to step out and say, okay, Lord, this is you. But I believe that there is probably someone in this room who's running from the Lord. I believe that God has, has specifically, there's somebody in this room, maybe there's multiple people, there's somebody in this room that the Lord has said, I want you to do this and you have been battling and warring inside. I'm praying today that the Lord will minister to you and speak to your heart uh, because he's really lined up some things uh, for, for today. So I know that when we talk about obedience, it's not like the most exciting topic uh, because, because the first thing that I think of whenever I hear the word obedience is, boy, how, where have I missed it? Where have I been disobedient, right? And we don't usually stand up and parade around our flaws, right? You know, well, let me just list off where I missed it all week long. You know, we try to keep that as close, behind closed doors as, as much as possible. Uh, but you can't really talk about obedience without talking about disobedience, right? And you can't really talk about obedience without also referencing or talking about authority. So we're going to uh, touch on, on, uh, uh, all of those things uh, this morning. Um, really, when it comes to obedience, the concept of obedience is very simple. The concept of obedience is really simple. I refer back to our simple series where the concept of obedience is simple, but it's not always easy. It's not always easy to, to walk out and, and to obey. But to understand uh, obedience, you know, as a parent, I oftentimes think of my kids. I think of my kids, and um, I've told this story before, but this is Hadassah, my oldest child, and uh, I remember when she was two years old, and uh, she had just crossed over that, that threshold of really understanding what it is that uh, we were asking her to do. Now, uh, she wasn't verbalizing as much. She wasn't saying as many words. And do you know that that can really fool you as a parent? Your kid is speaking gibberish, but they really understand what it is you're saying. I wonder if God feels that way about us sometimes. You know, you know, we're speaking gibberish, but, you know, we really do understand what he's saying. Well, well, Adasa was eating spaghetti at her tray, and uh, she was taking the spaghetti, and she was just smearing it around on the tray, just going back and forth and all of this stuff and, and uh, making, making a mess of things, which wasn't really a big deal. Kids do that, you know. But then she took her spaghetti, and she threw it against the wall. <laughs> to which I looked at Hadassah, eyeball to eyeball, and I said, no, ma'am. We do not throw spaghetti against the wall, just like a great parent, right? (laughs) To which she responded by looking back at my eyeballs, grabbing spaghetti as she looked at me, taking her hand as she looked intently at me, and throwing it against the wall in front of my face. Now, you have to understand, I've worked with kids and teenagers for 20 years. I am used to instant obedience when I ask somebody to do something. Something changes Something changes inside when it's your own kid. This was the first encounter that I remember having with my child who just looked at me and said, I don't care what you just told me, I'm doing my own thing. I grabbed the end of the dinner table. Now, let me just give a little thing here. I did not touch my kid. (laughs) 
I, I damaged my fingers under the table, let's just say, because something welled up inside me that said, I cannot believe my child just said, just challenged me like this in front of my face. So I called Sherry and I said, Sherry, Sherry, you're going to have to come down here and, and, and help take care of this because I am not in a condition or a place or a posture to appropriately deal with this, this moment. But it got me thinking about obedience, the expectation, especially as parents that we place on our kids to obey. The expectation that we place on our, our kids to obey. The concept is really simple, but it's not always easy to walk out. And I wonder if sometimes as our kids are navigating their lives that they feel that same way. They understand what you're saying, but they don't always, they don't always find it easy to comply. Right? They don't always find it easy to comply. So in the, in the vein of keeping things simple this morning, as Jeremy uh, alluded to, I believe, um, and, and Will talked about in keeping things simple, I thought we would do a little sing-along this morning. Uh, so uh, look at your neighbor and say, can you sing? Look at them and say, it doesn't matter. You're going to do it anyway. Because today's about obedience, and I'm asking every one of you to sing, Okay. And I'm going to invite one of my closest friends, Arwen Jones, to come and teach us a song. So would you welcome Arwen Jones this morning to the stage? The microphone's right there, Arwen. Thank you. I'm sure you guys are wondering how I got so blessed to be the one to come up here and do this today. <laughs> well, Kevin asked me, and, uh, and he said, you know, we've been friends for a long time. I think it was because he and I sang a duet together once. Oh, do you remember that? Yes, On this stage, yes. <laughs> and I think he wanted to kind of recreate that moment is actually what I'm thinking. So since he's mic'd also, mm. and he's, he's going to uh, show you guys obedience, right? We're going we're gonna to do this together, right, Kevin? All right. So, All right. So, so now we are. <laughs> I think duetters kind of stand close together, don't they? They sort of like stand together. Yeah. Yes, this is here what we go. Friends do too. Now there will be no harmony because we have had zero practice and I just <laughs> learned this song. So there we go. Like okay. Three minutes ago. But I'll give you a I'll give you a pitch. Ready? Obedience is the very best way to show what you believe. Y'all know this? Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key, do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show what you believe. And you spell it O B E D. I-E-N-C-E, -E. obedience is the very best way to show what you believe. I think we found Kevin's new walk-on music. Oh, okay. Walk-on music, yeah. yeah. That sounds good. Justin's not going to use that song. No, it's a little too down not. for him. Okay, but. so now I want everybody to stand up and sing it like you know it. <laughs> Let's I go. I think it's good when you snap, too. I kind of snapped when I was <laughs> yeah, learning yeah. it. Okay, ready? <laughs> With gusto, people. is the very, very best, best way to show what you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way. To show what you believe, and you spell it O B E D I E N C E. 
Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. <laughs> Thank you, Arwen. All right. So be sure to come to that newcomer's lunch uh, at the church that makes you stand up and sing on Sunday morning. And, and also, we are very much in the habit of allowing you to get your exercise. So I'm gonna let you stand with me as we read our scripture this morning. And, uh, and in the continued vein of keeping it simple, if you love me, obey my commands. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that your word brings life. And I thank you, Lord, for the ability to walk in obedience to you, not just because, Lord, uh, you just throw out frivolous commands at us, Father, Lord, but because you have the best in store for us. Help us to love you in this way that we truly would walk in obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the struggle is real. Why don't we stand again? No, I'm kidding. The, str- <laughs> the, struggle, the, the, struggle, the struggle is is real. The struggle is real when it comes to a myriad of things. And one of the areas that some of us struggle in is in the area of of obedience. Now, I don't believe uh, a majority of people wake up in the morning and think, I wonder how many ways I can be disobedient this morning. Um, Now, with the exception of toddlers, but, you know, most people do not wake up in the morning and and say, uh, I'm going to count the ways that I can be disobedient disobedient. We, we, we actually do a fairly good job of complying to rules and doing things. That's how we function in society. Uh, many of you were obeying rules this morning before you, before you came to, to church and, uh, and, and throughout our week and as, and as we live. So obedience is something that we, we grapple with and, and, and uh, deal with on a daily basis, whether we intend to or not. We, we tend to walk into that. It really doesn't become an issue when we're, until we're asked to do something that we don't want to do. Fair? It's, it doesn't really become an issue uh, until, we're, until we're faced with something that we don't want to do or that we're uncomfortable with or we don't understand. That's when obedience becomes an issue. And I want us, what I want us to understand right off the top is, is obedience is a choice. Obedience is a choice. And every one of us have a choice to make when it comes to walking in obedience. You are in the driver's seat when it comes to obedience. You are not robots, people. You are people who have a free will and you have the ability to obey or to disobey. Uh, we, we are free agents. We are able to, we are able to make that, that, that choice. Jesus modeled obedience better than anybody else. He modeled obedience better than everyone else, uh, anyone else. People have said, Jesus died on the cross because he loved me. And you know what? There's truth to that statement. But Jesus' primary motivation to go to the cross was walking in obedience to his father. Father God told Jesus, go to the cross. He said, yes, sir. He struggled with it at times. We see that in scripture, you know. But at the end, he chose to be obedient to his father. Obedience is also the pathway to blessing. Obedience is the pathway to blessing. Jeremy was up here, he's talking, we talked to, uh, to you guys on the regular about uh, the blessing that can come from walking in obedience to the tithe. The first 10% of your income is a tithe and God commands us to give it to him. Why? Because God needs that 10%. What is he gonna do? no. Because in order, in order for us to be able to do with what we're supposed to do with the other 90, we need to consider him first. 
He becomes the filter for, for, for that. And, and so I believe that God wants us to get to a point where we can leap when he asks us to do something. Things such as tithing or just taking a step, that's just a step. Jeremy today was talking about obedience and offering. That's above and beyond tithe. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm barely there just with the tithe. That's okay. That's the first step. When you start to see the heavens open and the way the Lord blesses your life and the act of obedience and the tithe, you'll be ready to say, God, yes, I'll do whatever you ask me to do with my money, with my funds. Obedience is the pathway to blessing. Psalm 128.1 says, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. Simple. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. In James chapter one, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. What a concept. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so today, uh, what I believe that the Lord would have me do uh, for the, a majority of our time, the remainder of time, is uh, we're going to look at the we're going to look at the story of Jonah this morning. Um, many of you have read the story of Jonah. You might be familiar with the the story uh, of Jonah. Um, Jonah is a is a short book in the. Old Testament. And uh, I think that we can take away some things from the story of Jonah as, as it relates and pertains to um, obedience. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna read, to uh, read sections of this, and we're going to just break it down and talk about it, okay? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. The first thing that I want us to take away from this is that God's directives are for his glory. God's directives, when God God asks us to do something, he's doing it because at the end of the day, he's going to receive the glory for your obedience. He's gonna receive the glory for the thing that he asked you to do. So he comes to the prophet Jonah and he says, I want you to go to this city of Nineveh and I want you to preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So God has a purpose and a plan for asking Jonah to do what he asked Jonah to do. And God has a purpose for asking you to do the thing that he's asking you to do. And so Jonah got up and said, yeah, sure, I'll go. No, that's not what the story says. says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed toward Tarshish. Now, I don't know exactly why Jonah ran away from the Lord. Doesn't specify it right here. Later on, we find out that he was angry that the Lord would deliver them from what they were going through, but we don't really know. But I wonder what was going through Jonah's mind that his immediate response was to run from the Lord. Some of us, we have an immediate response when God tells us to do something and our immediate response instead of yes is no. Instead of yes, it's maybe. But even in maybe, delayed obedience is what? Still disobedience, right? God doesn't seem to mind to give us explanations when we ask the questions why, but when we ask the question why and he gives us the answer why, our comprehension is not a prerequisite 
for obedience. Sometimes when we ask the question why, we, we don't understand the, the, the answer that's given. We can't really comprehend what's, what he's trying to convey. And if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we don't like what the answer is. And so we say, ah, I don't know about this, so I, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not going to do it. Comprehension is not a, pre, is a, not a prerequisite for obedience. And so I wonder if Jonah felt ill-equipped, inadequate. Because we learn over in the book of Nahum that Nineveh was a very wretched place. Nineveh was wicked. Nineveh was, and, and I wonder what Jonah felt whenever he, God asked him to do something. Have you ever been asked to do something that was scary? Have you ever been asked to go somewhere that seemed dangerous? Jonah's being asked to do this. And I wonder if he, he had this inadequacy about him. They thought, maybe I'm not equipped. I don't want to do this. And as we mentioned before, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those who are called. We see evidence of this all throughout Scripture. Regardless of how equipped or prepared you feel, obedience is always the correct choice. God has an uncanny knack of taking inadequate people and doing some extraordinary things. In 1 Samuel, we learn of the story of David. David did not fit the profile of a king, yet that was God's choice. Many of you do not feel like you are equipped for the things that God is asking you to do, but God says, you are my choice. And when I look in scripture and I see God calling people, I was reading about Moses this past week and I was reading some other stories uh, in the Old Testament and I realized God actually starts when he gives the directive to go, he usually gives a, sometimes a substantial reason why. God is not in the business of tricking you. God is not out to, God paid too high of a price to try to trick us. God wants you to obey because he knows what he's placed inside you to accomplish the thing that he has for you. And it will all end up by giving him, him glory. So God does not call the equipped. He equips those who are called. And so Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. So let me tell you about Tarshish. Tarshish is nowhere near Nineveh. Tarshish is about as far away from Nineveh as you can get. Sometimes when we run from God, we're not just running. It's not like we're running from Smyrna to Laverne, right? It's like I'm getting out of Smyrna and moving across state, you know? And this is what Jonah was doing here. He's like, not only am I running from God, I am running away. I'm running far, far away from what God is asking me to do. And he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten up the ship. So here's, here's Jonah going to Joppa. He's getting onto a boat and it says, I don't know why they specify this. The writer specifies this, but he says, and he pays the fare. He pays the fare to get on the boat. And whenever he gets on the boat, after having paid the fare, God brews up this storm. Now, I know that we're used to reading about a God who calms the storm, but I want to let you know that this sovereign God can also create a storm. And he will create a storm in order to get you on the path, 
to help you get onto the path. He will sometimes create situations and things to happen to show you, you are not where I want you to be. He will allow things to happen to blockade the destruction that you're headed toward or and or to accomplish his purpose. And so he's on this boat and this storm comes and it's so bad that the people on the boat have to take the cargo that they have and throw it off the boat. What I want you to understand is that disobedience will always cost you and others more than you were prepared to pay. Disobedience will always cost you more than what you were prepared to pay. Sometimes when we're running, we think we're going to get out of things and it's going to be easier, but it only gets harder when we don't walk in obedience to what God's called us to do. And so the people that are surrounded surrounded in the boat, surrounding uh, Jonah in the boat, they're losing out on this deal too because of one man's disobedience. I wonder the ripple that happens in our obedience to the Lord. When God asks Jeremy to do something and he says yes and he does it, I wonder how that ripple later affects James. And I wonder when James says yes, how that ripple affects how. And there's not even been an interaction between the three, but somehow our ripples, God uses those ripples over and over and over again as one act of obedience to the next act of obedience to the next act of obedience to accomplish his will. And what is his will? His will is to advance his kingdom. Just like Jeremy was talking about uh, during the offering, the funds that are coming in here are, are about, it's about winning souls to the Lord. Why did God send Jonah to to Nineveh? Why did he send him to Nineveh? He sent him to Nineveh because they were destroying themselves and God wanted to get a hold of their hearts. It's always been about advancing his kingdom. It's always been about advancing his kingdom. So Jonah had gone uh, gone below deck where he laid down and fell asleep into a deep sleep. Anybody had a deep sleep? Deep sleep feels good, doesn't it? Jonah goes below deck and he falls asleep. Disobedience will cause you to be oblivious to the storms that are around you. I've been in situations in my life where I've been walking in disobedience and I was so oblivious to the ripple effect that it was happening, but it's as if everyone around me knew what was going on except for me. This is why it's important that we have people, like we talked about last week about relationships, it's important that we would have people in our lives that are able to wake us up out of our sleep so that we can get on board with walking in obedience to God. We need people in our life who are not afraid to say, I love you so much that I got to wake you up out of this sleep. And so that's what happens here is that there's a captain, although I don't know that he loved him as much as wanted to figure out why he's sleeping while we're all about to die. The captain went up to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Maybe he'll take notice to us so we not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, Who is responsible for making all of this trouble on us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where is your country? From what people are you? They are giving him the ninth degree. Is it ninth degree? Is that right? Third degree, third degree. 
ninth degree, third degree, first degree, whatever. <laughs> they, are, they are hammering him with questions. Because the indic- all indications are is the reason we're in this mess is because of you. I need to know some information. And so what happens is, is disobedience exposes you in uncomfortable ways. All of a sudden, you've got to start unearthing information that you were not intending to unearth. Because the light starts to shine and starts to expose you for where you are and what you're doing and where you're going. And you have to start coming up with this information. They want to know what's up with you, dude. You're on our boat and we're about to die. What's going on? And so Jonah is asked all of these questions. And dare I say that if you're not ready to turn that corner and obey, our answers are usually a lie. And that just exasperates the issue. Goes on and on and on. In Luke chapter eight, verse 17, and you find this scripture in uh, Matthew, Mark, and in Luke, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. Why is that? It's because God loves you. But that doesn't sound like love. That sounds like it hurts. Yes, sometimes love hurts. Sometimes love is not just the gooey, gooey goosebumps that you think it is. God loves you so much that he does. He'll shine a light on you because he's got such purpose for you. And it's not purpose just that comes to an end with you. It's a purpose with you that influences and affects his kingdom. His kingdom. And so they're in this boat. They're questioning him, what's going on? And then Jonah replies, thankfully, he says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I want you to know that God will always make himself known. Even in the midst of your mess, in the midst of your your crime, your disobedience, whatever it is, he's gonna make himself known. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? And Jonah says this, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. I want you to know that when you run from God, you never really reach your destination. You can keep running, you can keep running, you can wear yourself out, you can exhaust all of your resources, you can lose relationships, friendships, everything in your life. At the end of the day, you will not reach your destination. You will not be fully satisfied. God wants to prevent you from getting to the pit before you get there. Because the pain of the pit is far worse than any pain God will give you on your way. God wants you to be obedient because he wants to advance his kingdom. This is what the Bible says in terms of God's presence. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. 
The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. So Jonah says, throw me overboard. Throw me overboard. And the men do something that is very natural that we would do. Because when we have friends of ours walking in sin and they know what they're supposed to do, oftentimes we get around somebody that will not allow us to walk through the consequence that we're supposed to walk through. And so the men say, "Uh, instead of throwing them overboard, let's row a little harder. Let's try a little bit more on our own strength to kind of get this boat going in the direction that we need to go. Does it work? No. Does it ever work? No, it didn't work. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord. Isn't it interesting that they called him innocent? Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord, have done as you've pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. I want us to understand that the consequence of disobedience and sin is death. Now that sounds like a really harsh thing to say. What do you mean the consequence of disobedience is death? That's true. Because when we're disobedient, dreams die, hopes die, families die. There's death associated with disobedience. And disobedience is sin. Death obe- disobedience is sin. And so we look at Jonah in this story. And it took him getting to a point to say, I am going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to kill my direction, I'm going to sever where I'm going and I'm going to surrender. I'm going to die to my disobedience. And for him, it really meant a physical death because Jonah had no inkling that God had a plan in mind to save his life. Jonah says, I gotta get out of here. You gotta throw me out of the boat. And so Jonah decided at that moment, I'm gone, I'm out of here. The consequence of disobedience is sin, death. But this is what the Bible also says. The wages of sin is death, but there is a gift that's available. And the gift of God is eternal life. The consequence of disobedience is death for righteous obedience and unrighteous uh, disobedience. There is a such thing called as a, a righteous disobedience. And this is a disobedience that somebody comes up to you and tells you to do something that's against something that God has told you to do. And most, and most often we put this, we correlate this with governing powers. Most often we put this together with when the government's asking us to do something. What about my religious liberties? Is what we say. I want to tell you that there's a story in scripture about uh, some, some guys in, in Daniel named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were in a situation where they were asked to bow down to a, an idol made by a king. The king Nebuchadnezzar, he declared to everybody, I want you to bow down to this, to this king. But one of the things that I, that, I, that I noticed about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they had a very high position from the king. They had a very high position from the king. How do you get a high position with the king? How do you get it? Obedience. 
Isn't it obedience? When I, when I promote somebody at work, I don't promote people who don't listen to me. I don't put people in leadership who are not gonna do what I ask them to do. So the longevity, the history, the pattern of these guys is obedience to what the king was asking them to do. But there came a point when the king crossed the line and asked them to do something that they could not do because it was in direct violation to their, the God that they believed in. And so they said, I cannot bow down to this idol that you've made because remember a year ago, this constitution supersedes your constitution. I, so I can't, I can't bow down to this, to this, to this God. I, they say to the king, I believe that God can deliver us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, I still can't bow down to this image. So let me ask you a question. When you are faced with confusion on whether or not you should obey governing authorities or not, are you willing to die for what you're being disobedient about? Because if you're not willing to die for it, then you probably need to follow what Romans 13 one says, that all authorities have been established by God. Because these guys had a history of obedience and they walked right into the fire knowing that they were headed toward death. They were headed toward death. And so thankfully the story doesn't end there. Jonah is thrown out to the sea. He thinks his story is over, but God always has a better plan. God always has salvation on the, on the horizon. And so the Bible tells us that he sends a big fish, this big whale to swallow up Jonah. Jonah is plummeting to his death in the water, sinking down low and this fish comes and gets him. And he ends up being in the belly of this fish. The Bible tells us for three days. Our deliverance is often messy. Our deliverance is often messy. When God is out to save you, there's probably going to be a mess that's evolved because we have to unearth all, he has to unearth all of that stinky stuff that you have drug along with you in the while of being disobedient. All of this stuff is being unearthed. And as he's unearthing all of this stuff and exposing all of this, part of this is for our learning. Part of this is so that you can see with your own eyes, this is where you ended up and this is not where you want to be. Let's not make this same mistake again. Have you ever been there? Has God ever taught you that way? Has exposed the mess that you're in and, and delivered you in a real messy way so that you can learn the first time, learn the second time, learn the 42nd time, right? Messes just get bigger, yeah? Our deliverance is often messy and uncomfortable, but when you have already died, when you've already died, in Jonah's mind, he died. In Jonah's mind, he died. The method God chooses to deliver you doesn't really matter. And in this case, it was a fish. Jonah was in a fishy situation. Jonah had already died, similar to whenever Abraham was with Isaac on the mountain and he raised the knife and when the heart posture got to the point where he was gonna bring the knife down to kill Isaac, the angel Lord said, stop. Abraham said, I die to my will. I surrender in obedience to you, God. And God comes and he saves the day. He comes and provides salvation. God's grace gives us another chance 
to get it right. God's grace gives us another chance to get it right and to get it right and to get it right and to get it right. And so if you flip over to chapter three of Jonah, we see a very familiar opening to this chapter. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give you. God is relentless in chasing after you for his purpose and what he wants you to do in your life. Obedience is the correct choice and obedience is the very best way a believer can say that they believe. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. This is simple. How do we know his commands? Well, we spend time with them and we get into the word. Oftentimes, I find so many believers, worship team, you can come on out. Oftentimes, I find that we as believers get so confused and I feel like God sometimes says, the answer is right in front of you. The answer's been right in front of you. Why are you, why are you taking so long to give me a yes when you know what you're supposed to do? You know where you can find the source of information. Again, God is not out to trick you. He's not out to trick you. He wants a ready yes on the table. He wants a ready no on the table when he's asking for that. And what it really boils down to, and what I found in my life, is it really boils down to this. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Last week, uh, last week before I came out here, I told you that I was struggling and I didn't really disclose all of the reasons why I was struggling. But I was struggling before I came out here on stage and I asked you guys to pray and we prayed and moved, moved forward into the message. I'm gonna tell you a little snippet of what, about what happened because it connects to this week. Before I walked out on stage or that morning, I was struggling. I, I got here real early at the church and I was just praying and asking the Lord. And uh, I've shared this. This isn't like a, I mean, I've shared this before. This isn't gonna be a surprise to a lot of you, but I've struggled in my life with insecurity and just feeling very, very inadequate. And I know I'm not the only one who struggles with that, feeling ill-equipped. And part of last week is just carrying such a deep conviction that whatever is brought from this platform is from him and not from me. And so when I come in here and I'm praying and I'm beseeching the Lord, I'm like, Lord, choose somebody else. Just like Moses said, choose somebody else. Isn't there somebody else that you wanna choose to give your word? And, and I was just walking in that place last week and I was just so struggling and, um, I got in here and I heard Justin and Jessica and I saw them just do such a wonderful job and they did. I mean, their hearts were just, it's right there. And you need to go back and listen to that message. And I just convinced myself in my mind, maybe Justin and Jessica are supposed to speak during second gathering too. Maybe they're supposed to give the word. And I felt in my spirit, the Lord said, no, no, sir, no, sir. And so I text um, somebody here on staff as I'm as in between service. And I said, hey, would you just pray for me? I'm just really struggling this morning before I give this message on relationships. And they responded, well, do you think that Justin and Jessica should, should share during the main gathering? And I said, I said, no. But I thought to myself, that's not a bad idea. Right? Have you ever had, have you ever had an idea like that, you know? So I said to the Lord, I made a deal with the Lord. Boy, you know how those go, right? I said, Lord, I'm gonna put a fleece out here. This is how I know that you want Jessica and Justin to share their testimony during main gathering. If my keynote, which I had problems with earlier in the morning, if my keynote goes down, then I'll just know 
that they're supposed to come share and not me. And so I go backstage and Mary Merriweather's back there and she grabs my shoulder and says, hey, listen, the computer just crashed. Your keynote is. And so I say, okay. And so I start working out in my mind, good morning, Springhouse. I'm gonna do something this morning that we don't typically do. I'm gonna ask, and they had no idea. I was gonna say, I need Justin and Jessica to come up and we're just gonna get some stools out and have them share. And I'm rehearsing this in my head as Jessica and Carol on stage giving an announcement. And I go to take a step out and Mary grabs me. Hey, your keynote's back on, you're good to go. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Kevin, you don't trust me as much as you think you do. You don't trust me as much as you think you do. And I'll tell you that cut my heart because it's so true. Guys, I don't trust him as much as I think I do. This is a journey for me to continue to walk in trust and obedience to what he's telling me. It wasn't that I don't hear from him and it wasn't that I don't trust him. It's that there are times when I trust him more than I think I do. And guys, when we get to that place where we think we trust him more than we actually do, then we can make errors in our steps and our judgment. I was this close to turning over the message to Justin and Jessica when I knew fully well God gave me the message for last week. And the whole reason I was there is because I didn't want to be in, go in obedience because I just felt so inadequate. I felt like, God, I don't even know why you would want to use me. And the reason I'm sharing that this morning is to say that there's somebody in this room that doesn't feel adequate, that you don't feel like you're enough. God is asking you to do something. He's been very clear about it, but maybe you've been running like Jonah. And when you run away from the Lord, that is disobedience. When you run away from the Lord, you're going to get yourself in a a bigger mess than what you're already in. And I believe that God wants you to give him a yes this morning. And I'm here to tell you, guess what? You're not enough. You're not adequate, but he is. And And he's chosen you this morning to do the thing that he's asked you to do. You have been chosen and it is so much better, so much better to be wanted by God than to be needed by God. He doesn't need anybody. He is choosing you, James. He's choosing you, Justin. He's choosing you, Jeremy. He's choosing you to do the things that he's called you to do. Will you answer yes? Will this morning be a transformative yes? Will you surrender to him this morning and say, God, I will walk in obedience to you. You can ask why all you want, but at the end of the day, if you don't trust him, you won't obey. You won't obey. So do you trust him? Would you stand this morning? We're going to worship together for just a moment. If those who are going to minister and pray with people would come forward. I encourage you this morning to ask the Lord to search your heart. God, am I listening? Am I hearing from you? Are you asking me to do something that I'm not quite willing or ready to do? Are you struggling with inadequacy? Are you struggling with not feeling like you're enough? I think God has some things for you this morning. You come and be ministered to by these brothers and sisters. Let's worship.